Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Morning, church family. Gosh, it's good to see you and... uh... Looking forward, as Pastor Evan is, to our Wednesday program, starting back up again. And um, really, that that announcement we've been making about individuals that can help us with the meal, that's really important. One of the things that I love about Wednesdays, and if you haven't been coming, you should, is that we sit around from 6 to about 6.30, 6.45, and we share a meal together around round tables. See, we're in rows right now. And... You know, you can look across and see the folks over there, but when you're sitting in a round table, you're looking across at various people. And then when we go into our classes, they tend to be smaller, and we tend to also try to um, incorporate uh, relationship building in those classes. So Wednesday starts September first, and there are classes for all ages from nursery all the way up to high school, and then... Um, we are starting a a young adult class. That's what Lindsay Swanson was talking about. And then there are three other classes for those of you who no longer consider yourself a young adult. We have not put an age on the young adult class. You do have to be out of high school to go into it. But if you're 72 and you consider yourself a young adult and you want to go to that class, I'm going to let Lindsay sort that out. I'm not going to say you can't go there, but... um, Uh, You may find that uh, being around people like Jen or Hannah or Zach um, may be eye-opening to you. But uh, please join us on Wednesday starting September 1st, and if you can help. And one of the things about the helping is we want a team of people that can rotate so that everybody is not helping, or the same people aren't helping every week. So sign up. Lori would appreciate that. And... uh, uh, so would uh, James. He's, uh, he's, he's, he and Lori are in charge of meals and the chef, and they're in charge of the setup. So that's what's happening on Wednesdays. Well, it was interesting that um, Pastor Evan introduced the message today a little differently than he always does. He said, you know, Pastor Rick's going to bring this awesome message. And he, but um, he said today that he's going to bring a message the Holy Spirit put on his heart. Have we talked? That's interesting because this is a message that the Holy Spirit has really put on my heart. <laughs> um, and it, it, it falls into the theme about new wine and being renewed, but it's, it's far broader than that. And one of the things about when the Holy Spirit puts a message on your heart is, I have a lot of content, but I'm not sure how much of the content I'm going to get through today. I want to be sensitive to what God says is what you and I need this morning. So I'm going to ask you to bow, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to do just that. Lord, help me to discern of all the stuff that I put together to share. Help me to discern those portions that are most important this week, even if I haven't put them in my notes. Guide me as I share not so much your word, although your word is a part of this, but I share your heart today in 
Jesus' name I pray, amen. And while I've, I've greeted you here, I just want a special greeting to our uh, e-family. I know some of you can't be here, met with uh, one family this week. We were just talking, ran into each other, and it's just so much easier for them to participate here at home. So those of you who can't be here in person, we're so glad that you're joining us online. All right, now, I want you to, to answer a few questions. You don't have to answer them out loud, but I want you to think about this. Does anyone here feel like we are part of a culture shift? Change happening so quickly around us. Maybe you would describe it this way. Do you feel that we're living in a time of disruption? You think everything is being disrupted? Interesting today, uh, second page of our local newspaper. Many of you do not get the local newspaper. You haven't touched a newspaper since probably, yeah, because um, I'll say, oh, did you see the paper today? And Evan just glazes over, and he doesn't know what a newspaper is. Second, second section of the newspaper talked about gyms, and the, the, the headline was basically this. Are gyms going to be able to make it post-pandemic? Because the pandemic has taken exercise especially with the online classes and the Pelotons and all of the various exercise things. You see the ads on TV. Well, at least I see the ads on TV. Some of you, you just stream and you never see a TV ad of that whole mirror thing where you do an exercise. You do your exercise in front of a mirror uh, online. All of these things are going on. They're saying, will gyms continue to survive? We're in a time of disruption. Everything has been, is being, and has been disrupted, and it looks like it is not an interruption. It is a disruption. Life is disrupted. Not just gyms have been disrupted. Churches have been disrupted. Um, a year ago, I wasn't talking to a camera saying, hey, e-family e e or home audience, but they're real, and they're there. And they're being ministered to. That is, a, that is a disruption. Lots of things are taking place. Our lives have been disrupted. Our culture is shifting. Do you feel the anxiety around you? Whether you have it, can you feel the anxiety around you? The place where you work, where you go to school, can you feel the anxiety? How about this? Can you feel the anger around you? You feel the anger around you? Violence in Columbus is up. The police department asked us several months ago to pray for the police department. The, the police department's chaplain sent out an email saying, would you please pray? Violence is up. Our police officers are going places that are far more dangerous. And this is Columbus, Indiana. Think of what's happening in our major cities. But do you feel the anger around you? Do you feel the discouragement around you? Even the depression around you? Do you feel it? Maybe you have felt yourself like I have, praying, Jesus, we need you. We need you to work in our state. We need you to work in our nation. We need you to work in the world. If you've been following the uh, situation in Afghanistan right now, other places around the world are in crisis. Earthquake, major earthquake in Haiti. Jesus, we need you. Or maybe your prayers are more like this. 
And I just want to talk to you personally. Maybe your prayers are more like this. Jesus, I need you. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can go on. Life has gotten so hard, I don't know if I can make it. And maybe your heart, like many of our hearts, is broken and hurting as you consider the spiritual condition of people. So many have no interest in God. Others are maybe interested in spirituality and God, but that interest does not move towards Jesus Christ and his claims. And then there's others who were once had a connection to Jesus, had a connection to a local church. They have left. Maybe you'd agree with this statement. Just follow me right now. Maybe you'd agree with this statement. Maybe you've even prayed to God. We need you to move. God, we need a revival. We need a revival. I'll tell you, everything that I spoke about, the disruption in our culture, the uh, things that are going on with um, anger and, and discouragement and fear and uh, disappointment, all of those things, when God's Holy Spirit revisits earth in a revival way, a powerful way, things change. You're concerned about the lost in your family, the lost on your job, the lost in your school. When God's Spirit moves in revival, things change. In the Old Testament, um, the psalmist in Psalm 85 verse 6 cried out these words, Won't you revive us again? So your people can rejoice in you. Won't you, meaning God, won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Um, we've been singing a song about there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house today. And we won't be quiet. We'll rejoice in him. And we're making the choice to rejoice. And that is a good thing. But when the joy of God comes, the choice to rejoice becomes a whole lot easier. We need a move of God. We need revival. We need revival. Are you crying out to God for him to move? Are you crying out to God for him to move. If you aren't, start. And also ask him this question. What is my part in God moving? What is my part in you moving God in this area? See, just a quick statement. God partners with people and people partner with God to bring revival. I've read about revival. I'm rereading. In fact, I've got some new books that are tracing revivals through history. One common thread is that before God moves, people are crying out to him and praying. They are partnering with him. They are asking for him to move. And then when God moves, the people in the church who have been praying, who get touched by God, are also there to receive those that God begins to move to the church. And in the scripture, and we've been studying this, this whole concept of new wine, new wine is a symbol 
one symbol of God's desire to engage a culture in a different and powerful way. As I said, there's a massive shift happening in our culture. The culture of 2021 is radically different than even the culture of 2019. But it's certainly radically different than the culture of the 1980s. As much as you like 1980s music and movies, this culture is different. I'm not sure anybody's going to look back at 2021 and say, oh, those were the good old days. Boy, give me the music of 2021. Maybe they will. Should Jesus, Terry? I don't know. I'm still listening to the music occasionally of the 70s and the 60s and the 50s. Now, I wasn't alive during the 40s, but I heard it because my parents had records of it. And uh, so I'll even listen back there only when Sherry's not around. Okay. Uh, unless I'm driving and we're on a long trip, she has told me if I'm driving and we're on a long trip, I can choose either the radio station or the Pandora station. And there are days that I choose the Frank Sinatra station. And she cringes and hopes she's brought her earbuds and runs something else. Or then if I'm in another mood, I, I, I choose the Carpenter station and listen to Richard and Karen. Oh, the golden-throated Karen Carpenter. John is not here today. He's on vacation. He would be saying amen very loudly about Karen Carpenter because he loves to listen to the Carpenters too. The culture of the 1970s that I was involved in, that culture that I got saved in, that culture that had a move of God, a powerful move of God in the 1970s is not our culture today. And when God is going to engage a culture, he's going to do it in a different and powerful way. And one of the ways that he describes it is he's going to do it with new wine. A real move of God, a revival, changes the spiritual atmosphere of an area. It touches believers and unbelievers alike. I referred to the 1970s when I got saved. There was, maybe some of you got saved in the 1970s, late 60s, 70s, onto about the 1980s. There was an openness that people had to spiritual things. There was an openness in people outside of the church to spiritual things, but there was an openness to people inside of churches, mainline churches, Catholic churches, other churches. There was a dryness within them, and they were saying, maybe they didn't know why they were feeling so dry while they were feeling so um, empty on the inside. Part of that was because God's Holy Spirit was moving and he was letting folks know that they were not yet his children. In the 1970s, around 1975, 6, 7, someplace in there, I cannot remember the exact date. I had been on a personal spiritual journey for at least two years. Could have been a little longer, could have been a little shorter. I was hungry for something else and didn't know what it was. I looked for it in ESP. I looked for it in some uh, Eastern type stuff. I looked for it in positive thinking. I looked for it amongst some sci-fi writers that seemed to have some insight into the human uh, character and the human heart. And you know where I found it? Not in my local church, although there were people in my local church that helped me to find it. I found it 
when I found Jesus. See, I was hungry for something. I was hungry for something. Didn't know what that something was. I just knew things were not right. And I remember a phone call I made. I was involved in my local church. I was involved. I went to my services on a weekly basis. I even served in the church. But there was something inside of me that was empty. I made a phone call to someone in the church that I knew kind of casually, and I asked a question. And I said, are there any prayer meetings or Bible studies? When I was in college, had a little brush with some of that. Only went to one year of college then. I finished my education much later. But that one year of college, I had a brush with some of that. And they said, yeah. There's one that meets, and they told me where it met at this person's house. At 9 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. And I said, wow, really? That's fantastic. I was working nights. I had a 3 to 11 shift. I could go to a 9 o'clock in the morning Bible study. Couldn't go to a Bible study at 7 o'clock at night because I was at work most nights. And I met some people from my church who had what I didn't have, a relationship with Jesus. But during that period of time, my family members were getting saved, some by my influence, some without my influence. I have a cousin. He was a rebel rouser. He was a hard drinker, womanizer, rock musician, long hair. He didn't have anything to do with God. Some gal he met. Invited into a Christian concert. DeGarmo and Key was the band. Hey, Ron, if you're watching, I know sometimes you watch. This is your story. DeGarmo and Key was the band. He tells it much better than I do. He didn't know it was a Christian rock concert. He just loved rock. This girl invited him. By the way, she, she's his wife now, mother of his kids, grandmother to the grandkids. And he heard the gospel at a rock concert. His heart was moved. He went out to the merchandise table. There was one song, he tells about one song that so impacted him. He went out to the merchandise table, bought every album, certainly the album that had that song on it, and his life began to be transformed. I have other cousins that I found out later seven, eight years later, that came to Christ in this church, in this church, in this circumstance, not because of me, because of the moving of the Holy Spirit, because revival was hitting the nation and the world in the late 60s and all through the 70s. It has a lot of different names to it. The Jesus movement came out of this on the West Coast, swept across the country. The thing called the charismatic renewal came out of this, where God was baptizing in the Holy Spirit. After I got saved six weeks later, baptized in the Holy Spirit, transformed my life, getting saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. But what I'm saying about this time was there was an openness. People were coming into churches. People were going to prayer meetings. People were hungry. Why? The Spirit of God was moving sovereignly. And as he was moving sovereignly, there were people that were partnering with him in prayer, people that were partnering with him in other ways, so that when an individual like myself, when an individual like my cousin Ron, when an individual like some of my other cousins were drawn by the Holy Spirit, they found somebody to help them.
I believe that this is what God is getting ready to do and even in some ways is already doing it in our country. He is getting ready for revival. But remember, God partners with people and people partner with God to bring revival. I just want to say something to those of you that are here and those of you that are online. Maybe you are feeling something like there's this interest in the things of the Spirit. There's this interest in the things of God. There is something going on in your heart and you don't know what that is. I can tell you what it is. I experienced it back in the 1970s. That's called the Holy Spirit drawing you. Some people will use the term wooing you like, like a, 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 a man will woo a woman or a woman, woman woos a man, bringing them to their self. That's God's Holy Spirit drawing you because he is saying to you, you need Jesus. But you say, well, I go to church sometimes, or I believe in Jesus. There's a difference. I went to church weekly. I went to church often. I served in my church. I was religious, and I was lost. I needed Jesus, and I thank God for the movement of the Holy Spirit in revival in the 1970s because your preacher got saved. That's what I believe God is desiring to do today. Not just in our world, in this church. See, my, my desire is this. If God partners with people and people, people partner with God to bring revival, will you choose, will I choose to be a person that is ready to partner with God? wineskin, a refreshed wineskin. Let me give you three quick points today. Three quick points that will help uh, put this in context for you. Point one is this. God desires to engage culture powerfully. God desires to engage culture powerfully. God desires to engage Columbus, Indiana, Bartholomew County, the state of Indiana, the United States of America. God desires to engage culture powerfully. He wants to move again, once again. Secondly, God knows that every culture and time period needs a unique move. What is going to happen in 2021 or 2022 or wherever God's spirit powerfully moves will be unique. Certainly, there will be things that will be like other revivals. But as I said, I've been studying revivals, and each one was different in some critical ways. But each one was the same in some very powerful ways. The church, first of all, got revived People in the church started hungering for God, started praying for revival, and then those outside of the church started to be moved by the power of God, and they were drawn to Jesus. And in that process of being drawn to Jesus, they met some other people. Number three, a symbol of God's unique engagement is new wine. We looked at the passage. We're going to briefly look at it again today. The symbol, of, the symbol God uses for those who will participate in the new move is new wineskins. A symbol of God's unique engagement is new wine. And the symbol God uses for those who are participating in the new move is new wineskins. Now, I've preached a couple of messages on this. It's online if you haven't heard it. This is a little bit of a review on that. But I want to 
remind you of a very important part of the New Wine message, and that is this. He will pass over those who are satisfied with the way they like things to find people who are willing to take a journey with him. He will pass over those who are satisfied with the way they like things to find people who are willing to take the journey with them. Our text today is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 37 through 39. And uh, we've looked at this text before. I'm going to uh, read it, make a couple of comments about it, then I'll talk a little bit about revival. Luke, chapter 5, verse 37. If you can bring it up on the screen, please. There it is. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. And that's that place. God will pass over. If you're happy with the old wine, if you're happy with the old wine, God will say, then that's fine, but I've got new wine for people who will allow themselves to become new wineskins. Let me go back and review with you what the Greek says. The Greek about new wine is this. The Greek for new in new wine is naos. Naos is in respect to time. That is something brand new. The moving of God in the various times in history, back in the 70s, back in the 40s, back in the 1800s, back in so many different revivals throughout history, it was a new move. It was brand new. It was naos in respect to time. But the new wineskins, Jesus was very clear. He used an entirely different word for new wineskins. It's a See if I can pronounce it. Kindness. Kindness. New in respect to freshness or refreshed or restored. Now, it can be new in that it's been created, but it mostly means new in respect to freshness, refreshed or restored. What Jesus was clearly saying is that you and I, you're 45 years old. You're 62 years old. You're 71 years old. You're saying, oh, I am not a new wineskin. Old wineskins would get dry after they were used, but they had to be renewed and refreshed through the soaking in water and the massaging of oil to make them fresh again. And Jesus said that there is new wine coming, and if you will allow him to make you a new wineskin, you can participate in it too. If you're 45 or 25 or 75, it doesn't matter. Are you willing to allow God to soften you, refresh you, Make you ready for new wine. I believe this. Any Christian can become a new wineskin, but we've got to be willing to give up the old, and we've got to be willing to allow him to work on our hearts. <laughs> Put the first three points back up again just in review. God desires to engage culture powerfully. I am absolutely convinced of this. God knows that every culture and time period needs a unique move. I'm absolutely convinced of that. The symbol of God's unique engagement is new wine. The symbol God uses for those who are, will participate in the new move is new wineskins. And most of the new moves of God come under the heading of what is called revivals. Revivals. And so we're going to talk just briefly today and off and on over the next few weeks and months about this thing called revival. Remember what the psalm said, the 86th psalm. It's at the top of your note sheet if you have one. Won't you revive us again? so your people can rejoice in you. The psalmist knew what it was like to at one time experience God's reviving spirit. It had waned. 
And the psalmist and the people of Israel are crying out, won't you do it again? Do it again, God. Won't you do it again? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? And remember, God partners with people, and people partner with God to bring revival. So we need to choose to be a person that is ready to partner with God and become a new wineskin. Let me give you some definitions of revival. The Webster's Dictionary, just decide to go to a secular source, all kinds of different definitions for revival, but in a religious definition, it says this, it's renewed interest in religion after indifference and decline. How many of you would say that in our culture right now, Christianity has been experiencing an incredible amount of indifference and decline? Well, if we're in indifference, if we're in decline, if people don't seem to care about the things of God anymore, then we need what Webster says is revival, renewed interest in religion after indifference or decline, a period of religious awakening, special religious interest. Now, of course, their, uh, a dictionary stays very general. It says religious interest. Actually, we need interest in Jesus. We need revival in Jesus not just any kind of revival in uh, spiritual things. Dr. Gordon Anderson, the former president of North Central University in, in Minneapolis, who has written on revival, preached on revival, studied revival, says this, a revival is a period of time when people are awakened to the reality of an ever-present and ever-willing God. People are awakened to the reality of an ever-present and ever-willing God. You know what? I was in church. I knew about God. I knew about Jesus, but I hadn't been awakened to the reality that he was ever present and loved me personally. <coughs> Not until God began to move powerfully. Revival historian Matthew Backholer defines revival this way. Revival is an incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit that touches Christians and non-Christians. Revival is for the glory of God and the honor of his name. Now, you can tell he's from the old country because honor is spelled with a U. But I decided if I'm going to quote him, I'm going to quote him with that spelling, even though my spell check didn't like it. I left it up there because I'm spell checking with American English. But revival is for the glory of God, but it impacts. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that touches Christians and non-Christians. He states that it will impact the body of Christ. People are revived and begin to live holy and upright lives, but outside of the church, non-Christians come under deep conviction of sin. People have an awareness of spiritual things as never before. Something happens deep in the hearts of men and women, often outside of the environment of local churches. But when that begins to happen, they're going to need someone to help them understand what is happening. And that's why God has his children to be involved in the lives of the unbelievers. And also, sometimes he just brings them to church. Sometimes they go looking for a church. Will we be those who are willing to receive? I shared with you a story a couple, three weeks ago about Charles Hackett and the hippie revival that took place in Lafayette. And their church was willing to accept the hippies. And they, some got saved, and more got saved, and more got saved, and more got saved, so that that little bitty church that was running probably 50 in attendance grew and expanded under revival to church of hundreds and then thousands because the Spirit of God moved, and the people there were willing to embrace and help those who were being moved by God. I like what uh, Gordon Anderson also said. Um, Revivals change people 
churches, and society. People, churches, and society. He says later on, rarely does God force anything to happen apart from human cooperation. That's why I said God partners with people and people partner with God to bring revival. And that means that we need to choose to be a person that is ready to partner with God to become a refreshed wineskin so that God can pour the new wine on and through us. A lot of metaphors for revival. And I might use any of these. Other people might use it so that you know what it is. People will say, God came. God moved. Or it was a move of God. Revival, move of God are very common. Some will call it a sovereign move of God. That means God was doing things that were outside of the normal. Or that the spirit fell. Or fire fell. Or scores were swept into the kingdom. Or God is doing something. Or something is happening. Or there's an awakening. Or God showed up. Or God is on the move. Lots of different symbols for revival. But almost all of them are very action-oriented. God showing up. God on the move. The sovereign move of God. Revival is filled with action. Now... Points four and five, very quickly. Will I be one to long for and experience his moving? Will I be one to long for and experience his moving? That's a, that's a question for you. Will you be one to long for and experience his moving? Number five, will I be one who will pay the price to be part of this new thing, new thing. There's always a price to pay, folks. I'm going to use some examples throughout the time that I speak about this, but the Apostle Paul would be one who became a new wineskin, and the Apostle Paul paid a price. Pastor friend that mentored me many, many years ago, he paid a price. My father-in-law, I'm going to share his story, he paid a price. Just individuals paid a price. I have a story of an executive for the Ford Motor Company that in the 1970s revival at the church that I was attending, when he chose to become new wine, a new wineskin for the new wine, he paid a price professionally that he was willing to pay. But will I be one who will pay the price to be part of this new thing? Revivals change people, churches, and society. So how can I become a new wineskin? Just briefly, humble prayer. In fact, would you bring up the prayers that I had uh, programmed in earlier, please? Bring up the prayers, because these prayers are actually on the back of your note sheet. Are you willing to pray this? Lord, I humbly submit myself to you. Do whatever is needed. Do whatever. You might want to circle the word whatever. Do whatever is needed to my heart and my life to make me soft, flexible, fresh, and not rigid that I may be able to receive the new wine. And the second one is more corporate. Lord, I humbly submit this church to you. Do whatever is needed to make us soft, flexible, fresh, and not rigid that we may be able to experience new wine, revival, a move of God, a sovereign move of God, the Lord showing up, the Holy Spirit coming, whatever title you want to give it. Are you willing to pay whatever price that is? Because, see, you have to pray humbly, and then you have to submit to how God is going to move. Because I, I, I'm, I'm certain of this, 
God will identify things in your heart as he's been identifying things in my heart that need to be moved out of the way before he can fully use us. So that means you have to submit to what God is doing. Sometimes circumstantially, he'll have to work on you and break some things. But will you be willing to obey when he says, do this? Will you be willing to obey when he says, say that? Will you be willing to obey when he says, pray for that person? In revival, it's amazing how sometimes the Spirit of God will prompt you to go and call somebody or to go and pray for somebody. And what are, what are hesitant, or what will they think? Or, gosh, I don't know them that well. Are you going to be willing to obey? Lord, I submit myself to you. Do whatever is needed to my heart and my life to make me soft, flexible, fresh, and not rigid that I may, may be able to receive new wine. I've been in a couple of very, what I would consider outside of my comfort zone situations here recently as I felt the Holy Spirit say, do this or call them. Or say this. Or preach this. Will I be willing to submit and to obey? And you might ask, well, why should I care about this revival thing? I want everybody's attention at home too. If you've, if you've um, disconnected with me, it is possible. If you've disconnected with me. Why should you bother to care about revival? I'm going to just give you one answer to this. Your family, your friends, and the world are facing eternity apart from God in hell. That's why you should care about revival. Your family, who is not saved yet, your friends, who you go to school with, who you work with, who you live next to, and the entire world of those who don't know Jesus Christ are facing eternity apart from God in hell, and we need to cry out for God to once again move. Will you revive us again? Will you move, God? Will you move? Our world is needing you. My son, my daughter, my grandson, my granddaughter, my brother, my sister, my best friend, my spouse, my mom, my dad, they need Jesus. Will you move? Because when God moves, the interest level changes. It was another revival many, many years ago took place, and there was prayer that was being offered, prayer that was being offered for the unsaved. One man was an Air Force fighter pilot, unsaved, but he was one that was being prayed for, and the Spirit of God was moving, and what they were praying, what this one group was praying was God put divine thoughts in the minds and the hearts of the unsaved, and then they prayed for specific individuals. This fighter pilot was on training one day, and he was up several tens of thousands of feet. And as he was up there, he began to think eternal thoughts. Is this all there is? What would happen if? And he couldn't shake the thoughts. He couldn't shake the thoughts. Why? Because God's Holy Spirit was working during that time. Thousands, tens of thousands of people were coming. God was giving eternal thoughts. And that man had those eternal thoughts for a while. I was seeking for two years. That man had the eternal thoughts for a while until at some point, either he asked someone or circumstances put him up next to someone 
and he found out that, yes, this is not all there is. And yes, he could move into a place where he knows that his eternity is safe and he accepted Jesus Christ. God's Holy Spirit moving sovereignly upon that man. Don't you want him to move sovereignly upon your family? Don't you want some of your family members that are away from God, who have never known God, to be thinking eternal thoughts, to be hurting on the inside? And let me tell you, when you're praying that way and they're hurting on the inside, they're not going to let you know. And you think your prayers aren't working. I didn't let anybody know all the stuff that was going on in my heart when the Holy Spirit was working upon me until I was ready to ask the question, are there any Bible studies? So don't give up on praying. Don't give up on praying. One last scripture I'm going to share. It's not a part of this message particularly, although I'm making it a part of the message. It's not going to come up on the screen. It's from the book of Zechariah. As we were in worship this morning, and I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about challenging this church to become a place where God can move, I sensed that someone, or maybe someone watching, was saying, but we're just such a little church. How can we make a big difference? Or you might not be thinking from a church standpoint. You may be just be thinking about yourself. I'm just an individual. How can I make a difference? Listen to what Zechariah says. Now, this is the New Living Translation. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 6. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people. Zechariah was prophesying about the restoration of Jerusalem, the restoration of the temple, and there was only a small remnant that had come from Babylon, and when they got back to the area, it was overrun with enemies, and it was overgrown, and it was broken down, and they didn't think there was anything they could do, and so that's what the context is. Well, God is saying today, you may be saying this, and the Lord says, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says, all this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people, but is it impossible for me? Says the Lord of Heaven's army, and of course it's a rhetorical question, for the answer is no. That remnant came back, Jerusalem was built, the temple was built, the city was restored, sacrificial system was restored, because it wasn't impossible for God, but that remnant looked at it. What about us? Do we look and say, we're such a small remnant. How can we make a big impact on the city? We need to have more people. No. It may seem impossible to us. It may seem impossible to me as your pastor. But God says, it's not impossible for him. But we need to partner with him. We need to be a person that's ready to partner with God to become a refreshed wineskin through humble prayer, submission, and obedience. And we need to be caring about our family, friends, and a world that is facing eternity apart from God. Will you be willing to say yes to God? Will you be willing to submit? A young man by the name of Marcus 
was willing to submit. This Pastor Joaquin shared this story. Now, Pastor Joaquin is from Sweden. And Pastor Joaquin speaks with a Swedish accent. But a young man was willing to obey and listen to what God did. We're going to watch the story as Pastor Joaquin shares it. I want to introduce to you two young guys from back home. Okay, this is Marcus and Daniel. Marcus is the one with the glasses and Daniel is the one with no glasses. And Marcus, a couple of years ago, he was 17 at the time. He heard me speak on this. He heard me speak on following Jesus to find the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And that kind of lost blew Marcus's mind because he never saw himself as somebody who would share the gospel. He was quite shy. And most Swedish are, are introverts, so, you know, being extrovert and actually taking an initiative and sharing the gospel of Jesus, it, it doesn't come naturally for most. But he made up his mind. I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to find that lost sheep and that lost coin and that lost son. So this is his, his decision. Next, uh, tomorrow morning, as I go to school, I'm going to open up the door, and I'm going to walk straight up to the first person that I see whoever that person might be, and I'm going to invite that person to a life group meeting that same night. So anyway, Marcus, next morning, he went to school. He opened the door. First person that he saw was Daniel, no glasses guy. The two of them had never spoken. They have never met. But still, Marcus went straight up to Daniel, which is such an unswedish thing to do. And he invited him to this meeting. And Daniel accepted there was just one little detail that he left out. He didn't actually say it was a Christian life group. <laughs> Daniel thought he was invited to a party. And later on, I actually asked Daniel to write the whole testimony down so that when I retell it, I would retell it accurately and not evangelistically, you know. So, so just to get it really, really right. So he actually wrote six full pages describing in detail how he prepared himself for the party how he got cool clothes on shoes that were fit for dancing he put on eau de toilette to impress the ladies at the party and then he showed up at the given address he rang the doorbell and a mother opened the door and Daniel's mind went alert 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 you know what is a mother doing at a party he was led into the living room there was like eight to ten people sitting around the table one had a guitar Danny thought, what is this? What is this party? And he sat down, you know, and they sang a few songs and they chatted. And then somebody said, let's pray. And Daniel went, oh no, oh no. He was completely unchurched, never heard the gospel, did not come from a Christian family, had no prior Christian, uh, you know, experience. So you're just sitting there, what's happening? And one person prayed and another person prayed and a third person prayed and Daniel thought, oh no. You're supposed to take turns. <laughs> and he was like, oh, no. ah! He says, no way I'm going to pray. No way. But then all of a sudden he heard his own mouth started speaking. And he heard himself say, could you please pray for my grandfather who's got cancer and has only a few months left to live? Who? What was that? Now the life group jumped at the opportunity. <laughs> And they prayed for Daniel's grandfather. And, you know, and after a while, things uh, came to an end. And Daniel walked home, 
thinking that was the weirdest party <laughs> I've ever been to in my life. However, one week later, Daniel's mother calls him at school, overjoyed, saying, Daniel, they've taken new x-rays on grandpa, and the cancer that would have killed him within months is now completely gone. Daniel said, when did they take the x-rays? Mother says, turn out it was the day after the life group meeting. Daniel called Marcus and said, we need to talk now. <laughs> Marcus brought Daniel to our church, Word of Life. First time he was ever in the church. He heard the gospel and when it was time for the altar call, he lifted his hand and he accepted Jesus Christ into his heart. And you know, it's been a few years now. And since that day, Daniel has attended one year in our Bible school, one year in our mission school, and is now a full-time missionary in the red light districts in Thailand. And Marcus is a full-time missionary in China. You have no idea what will start to happen and the things you'll start to move when you step into the true calling of following Jesus, amen? Sovereign move of the Spirit, an obedient young man, life change, and now countries being impacted. There is a revival move happening in Sweden through that church. Many people are coming to the Lord. I've listened to Pastor Joaquin on several other occasions, stories of angelic manifestations, stories of, of evangelism, of some of the most outrageous type of things as a new wineskin, a refreshed wineskin is willing to be obedient and submissive to the Spirit of God. Could we have stories like that here? Yeah. Yeah. If we'll be obedient, if we'll be willing, what is God wanting to do when he pours the new wine? You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.